This is the Life at Work Conference podcast, an initiative of City Bible Forum. Hi, I'm Andrew Laird, host of the Life at Work Conference podcast, where we meet real workers wrestling with real workplace issues. Today, Proving Ground, how God uses our daily work to make us more like Jesus. And because we spend most of our lives working, whatever that work is, study or working in the home or out in business or whatever, it follows that our, our faith is tested at work, our values are tested. What we say we believe is about God is tested. My guest today is Graham Hooper, company director and former senior executive of a global infrastructure company. I'm Andrew Laird, and this is the Life at Work Conference podcast. When we first begin our careers, often we might have great hopes and dreams of what we'll achieve or accomplish. And if we're a Christian, those hopes and dreams are often shaped by our love of God and desire to glorify Him. And that's, of course, not a bad thing. But is there another way we should be thinking about our work life, that our career might not be so much about what we can do for God, but rather what He's going to do in shaping us? My guest today believes that is the case. Looking back on his career, he's been struck by just how much God used the workplace as a proving ground, a place where he would shape and change him. And he's just written a brand new book unpacking exactly this. So welcome to the podcast, Graham. Thank you very much, Andrew. Great to join, great to join you today. Look, Graham, we'll come to this idea of our daily work as a proving ground in, in just a moment. But look, first, take us back to the beginning of your career. It began in Tanzania. How did you end up there and, and what was your first job? Well, I, I graduated as a civil engineer. Um, and after I finished, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But one thing I did know, I did not want to go and work in an office. I wanted an adventure. And uh, through a UK agency, I, I got a, landed a job in the Salu Game Reserve in southern Tanzania. And my job was to uh, build and maintain the roads, the airstrips, to build houses for the Game Scouts, to open it up for, for the safaris, the visiting safaris who wanted to see the game and so on. Um, so any, lived, inter any interactions with wild animals as uh, part uh, of that? A lot. It was a, it was a, daily, a daily occurrence, yeah. I, I, I've, uh, I could tell you a lot of stories about lions and elephants and hyenas, but probably on another occasion. But I, li I lived in a tent for, um, for over a year. Um, so I did have a, a bunch of hyenas around the tent one night, and one of them actually uh, ate, tried to eat my saucepans. I don't know if you've seen a hyena's jaw marks in uh, in an aluminium saucepan. It's quite interesting. But uh, no, I think I'd prefer not to, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I learned a lot about crisis management because, like, every day was a crisis. We were in a very remote location, and. Vehicles broke down, people got sick, uh, you know, roads got flooded. It was it was a lot of fun. And tell me, Graham, uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of you got that adventure that you were after. But were you a, a Christian at this point in time? And, and if not, how and when did you come to faith? No, when I when I left uni and started, I was very much not a Christian. I was quite anti uh, as a student. Um, what happened was, as, as I was packing my gear to go out to Africa, I was in my parents' loft, and I, I found some family photos. I thought, yes, I'll take those with me. And I just cast around for a hardback book to keep them flat mm. uh, in, in my backpack. And I, I landed on a, a New Testament I'd been given at school when I was about 14. It was unopened and unread, of course, but it served the purpose. So I stuffed the photos in. And when I was out in Africa, I started to read. I had a lot of time in the long evenings in the bush. 
And I, I remember starting at the end, perversely, in the book of Revelation, mm. and I read those words which uh, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the beginning and the end, the Almighty. And that just uh, wowed me. I thought, this is the whole framework for life. God mm. is the whole framework of life, the beginning and the end. I started to read the Gospels then about Jesus. Um, I, I, and I remembered some stories I'd been taught as a child, but now I was reading them as an adult. And it was like the words leapt out the page at me. Jesus as the person leapt out the page at me. And uh, just around that time, I had a letter uh, the, the mail used to come in by aircraft once every two weeks. There were no email, of course, in those days. Um, and it was from a, a, a student friend who was uh, certainly from a, a, you know, an atheist background. And he'd become a Christian. And he said, if I never ask you anything again, Graham, I ask you to pick up a Bible and read because I've come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And with that belief, everything makes sense. And so that was just God's amazing timing because that's exactly what I just started to do, picking up a Bible to read. So I, I, I asked Jesus to make himself real to me. And mm. there was no big flashing light, but a, a deepening conviction, which has remained to this day. Mm. Wow, it's a tremendous, uh, tremendous testimony and uh, a testament to <laughs> giving people Bibles. They might yes. not uh, yeah. originally use them as the purpose intended, yeah. but, uh, but uh, you never know and opening it in the power of, uh, power of God's word. You mentioned there that the atheist friend talked about the, the transformative effect that coming to faith had had on his life. I wonder if you have any recollections from that time of what impact, if any, your new faith had upon your work? Well, I think initially none at all, as I, I mm. can't remember. Um, I just felt a deep peace that I'd found the truth. So something must have changed in me because I do recall at um, one uh, break, I, I went back to the UK and bumped into an old student friend. And as I walked up to him to greet him, he said to me, you found it, haven't you? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you found peace. So mm. something had changed in me, but certainly nothing that really affected my work. But I, I think it was it was later, after Mauritius, I got a job um, in, a, in, in Mauritius, in the island of Mauritius, designing and building a new port there. Mm. And um, in a wonderful days, I, I, I got a, inherited a job on the national radio broadcaster, a program called The Epilogue, which is actually still running to this day. Hmm. And uh, it was involving reading a Bible passage, and we added it lengthened it to add some Christian music and so it was the only there was only one radio channel in Mauritius at the time so people would sometimes listen to this and uh, my workmates would say hey Graham I heard you on the radio last night what's all this about <laughs> and I suddenly realized that there were the people who I worked with eight till five or whatever mm. having an insight into a spiritual side of my life which I kind of thought was mine you know mm. private and so I had to start thinking you know how what does that look like to them to see me claiming to be now a Christian and mm. what difference does that make so I, I guess that was where it started to make an impact there were no Christian books very few mm. Christian books in the island of Mauritius there was no bookshop at that time and there were certainly no books I ever found about faith and work so it was it was trial and error and looking back mostly error <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to come to that talking about the the mostly error. In many ways, that's the 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 theme of our episode today. 
But look, um, fast forward from a few years there, just first of all, Graham, and um, you found yourself in uh, senior executive roles with a global infrastructure company in particular, and and that took you right around the world, working in uh, some 20 different countries. Do you want to just paint the picture for us of what family and work life looked like for you at that time? In particular, what were the challenges that you found uh, living as a Christian in that season of your career? Yeah, well, I um, I met a, a lovely lady in uh, Tanzania, an English teacher, and I married her, and she's still my wife, thank God. Uh, <laughs> we had three children, and I think looking back, some of the biggest challenges I encountered and were ones involved in moving our family at different stages of life around the world. Uh, and they were very testing, uh, I think, on our faith. Um, we had six wonderful years in Mauritius, uh, two of our children born there. And after that, I felt a great desire uh, to study the Bible more. And uh, I actually went to Trinity Theological College in Bristol, UK for two years, which was a great privilege. But that was really hard, particularly for Sue, because she was taken from a life uh, in Mauritius where she had friends and she was had a, a wonderful ministry there to just being a a mother with two little children in a, in a second story flat while i while i studied mm. so that was very hard for her so that was that was testing in that way um after after trinity i felt strongly that i should go back into my um engineering career um and uh, so that was a case of uh, of getting a job uh, our funds had gone down quite significantly so it was a reason we, we wanted to go overseas again so I, I, I was offered a job in Malawi and one in Libya and mm. I didn't feel right about those and uh, I have to say to you it's very challenging when you have a wife and two kids turning down jobs <laughs> when mm. you don't have a have a secure another secure one so that was a real tester for quite a while and uh, eventually I, I, I was standing on Reading railway station platform reading the the times newspaper and i saw this job advertised for a port engineer in papua new guinea and i read the description i thought that's me <laughs> that's mm-hmm. absolutely me that's what and so i i applied for that and um and got the job and we went out to papua new guinea so that was that was a real a real challenge uh, with, with young kids so you've gone to papua new guinea mm-hmm. um but from there there was uh still a desire to to maybe move to Australia, is that right, Graham? Yeah, so we were actually offered a job in Australia and uh, we had to wait in UK for three or four months while all the, uh, you know, the approvals came through and the visas and so on. And after that four months of waiting, I got a long communication in the form of a telex uh, from the Australian company saying that the job had fallen through. And we were absolutely at rock bottom. Uh, we had very limited funds. We were living with my wife's parents. So we had no home, no job, no, <laughs> seemingly no future. And uh, I went to church on Sunday and the, 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 the preacher spoke from the book of, uh, I think it's Exodus, isn't it? The story when the, the children of Israel were, were tested and there were 12 miles to Elim. They were only 12 miles away from the oasis. And the, uh, mm. the message was very simple. Hold on. You can trust God. And mm. that was a real word of God to me. And uh, a few days later, actually, it might have even been the next day, we got another communication saying, sorry, we didn't mean 
we weren't offering you a job. We meant that particular position was no longer available, but still come out and uh, we'll talk about it in Sydney. So within about 10 days, we were on the plane to Sydney. Wow. And then we got, sorry, we got offered then a job in Tasmania and we were in, uh, we were in Tasmania for a few years. Mm. You mentioned there the word, Graham, testing, mm. which, uh, which in some ways is really the, the issue I want to come to to talk with you about now, because uh, these days you're a company director, you sit on a number of boards, but you're also doing a lot of writing, often about Christian faith and our daily work. And uh, your your latest book is about this whole idea of testing when it comes to our daily work. It's called Proving Ground. So what's the book all about and what's the meaning behind that title? Well, I called it Proving Ground because I, I've come to the conviction through reading the Bible and my own experience that, and, and seeing other people's lives, there is no such thing as untested Christian faith. We're all tested in life generally, uh, you know, particularly in times of sickness, bereavement, setbacks, disappointments and, and difficulties in life. And because we spend most of our lives working, whatever that work is, study or uh, working in the home or out in business or, or whatever, it follows that our, our faith is tested at work. Our values are tested. What we say we believe is about God is tested. Uh, can we trust him with our money, with our future, with our children, with, with our, uh, our whole career? Our values are tested. You know, our honesty is tested. Our relationships are tested. And of course, there's no shortage of temptation. Uh, the three mm. classic areas of money, sex and power, which stay with us, I think, right through life in different forms. So this whole question of, uh, of God's testing. Now, testing for us is a very negative thing, usually. You know, none of us like medical tests or driving tests or exams in any form. But God's mm. testing is actually a positive in the Bible. It's to produce gold out of, you know, the unpromising material of our lives. And uh, this, this proving also works in two ways. God may prove us, but we also prove God. We, as the, do you, what, what do you mean by we prove God? I, I mean, like the psalm says, taste and see the Lord is good. We prove mm. that he's true. We can trust him with our lives, with our work, with our career. And uh, mm. so that's why I called it Proving Ground. And I, I wanted to write it very much because um, many books about faith and work, I think, are very positive and affirmative, which is great, about the great things we can do for God in our work and so on. But also I wanted to write about the work God does in our lives, in us and through us. And mm. the subtitle is um, Reflections on Growing faith at work and that's what you find in it it's it's personal reflections bible reflections and i hope it's a realistic and encouraging book mm, mm. we're going to take a short break now but when we come back i want to turn to this topic in a bit more detail with graham how god often uses our daily work as a proving ground i'm going to ask graham to actually just share a bit more personally about some of the ways that god did that to him but we'll consider that in just a moment Loving this podcast? Then don't miss the next Life at Work conference, Saturday, February 18th, 2023. Wherever you are around Australia or the world, join us as we consider the future of work, how to love your colleagues and share Jesus in an ever-changing landscape. You can watch alone, host a watch party, or join others at a local hub. 
Tickets are on sale now at citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference. Welcome back. My guest today is company director and former senior executive, Graham Hooper. Um, Graham, let's turn now to the ways God used your career as a proving ground. Uh, what's one of the first occasions, perhaps, where you recall noticing God changing you through the challenges or the frustrations or the temptations of work? I think mainly in the area of relationships with people. Um, let me give you a couple of examples. Um mm. I remember going to church on Sunday and listening to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. And then I'd go to work on Monday and I'd be thrown into negotiations and often confrontations with contractors, with difficult clients, with frustrating bosses, sometimes with labour unions. And there wasn't a lot of meekness out there. <laughs> mm. I didn't, and I thought, well, what does that mean? How do I, what do I do with Jesus's statement about meekness? Do I just shove that to one side and say, well, obviously he wasn't talking about work? Or do I dilute it? Uh, do I just ignore it? What what do I do? And I was tremendously helped reading uh, some words from the late John Stott. He said um, that meekness is the gentleness of the truly strong. Mm. And I've always valued that because meekness doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't mean being a doormat for people to tread all over and, and roll over. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, caving in and rolling rolling over in those kind of negotiations. But it means treating people with respect in that strength. I, I, so I love that. So that was a real learning period, I think, a lifelong lesson, discovering how to actually apply seemingly impossible biblical commands in the rough and tumble of work. Mm, Um, mm. I I think another uh, thought, another experience comes to mind is I remember a coffee room discussion, hearing, overhearing a coffee room discussion where someone commented about um, uh, a leading executive from another company they had to work with. I can't believe that guy calls himself a Christian. You wouldn't believe it, the way he treats Mm. people. And I winced when I heard that. I thought, I wonder if they're saying that about me. <laughs> and mm. it was a real challenge, you know, because sometimes, um, you know, we can all be difficult people, obnoxious people sometimes. We can all, you know, not live as Jesus commanded us to live. And uh, thank God we forgives and renews us. But that's, that's a real challenge, I think. If you say mm. you're a Christian in the workplace, then you need to be careful how you live. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. Our, our colleagues are often watching us far more closely mm. than we uh, than we imagine. Mm. Um, and speaking of, of colleagues and relationships, as you were there, you, you've shared with me previously a significant moment for you in a, in a meeting one day where God really challenged you on the kind of leader that you were. Can you share a bit about that with us? Yeah, I think I was kind of mid, mid-career um, and I was sitting at the back of a large meeting, there probably about 70 or 80 of us in the room. It was one of the annual strategic planning sort of events that corporates have uh, usually once a year or so. And I looked at the people in front of me and I suddenly thought, I don't really know these people. I'd been Mm. so focused on uh, uh, winning work, delivering projects, which was my job, which is what I was paid to do. Uh, And I thought, I'm not really relating to these people. It was very much a a light bulb moment, as we'd say. Um, Mm. And I thought, you know, God, Graham, you need to start building relationships with people. That is at least as important as the work you're doing. 
So can I ask then practically, you know, what what did that look like? What what changes do you recall um, making to in order to do that? Well, spending time with people, getting mm. interested in, in their lives. Um, obviously, um, you know, one colleague, uh, particularly at times of crisis, I think, in people's lives. Um, one colleague uh, lost his daughter in a car crash. Uh, a week later, his wife broke down and in that breakdown left him. And mm. he was, um, you know, that was a shattering experience. So I was able to to share with him and, you know, thank God, point him to a counsellor who could really help him long term get, get through that. Um, mm. ob- obviously, uh, relationships, I, I've treasured relationships with you know certain people throughout life people you can go and have a coffee with you can pray with you can talk about the football or whatever and then you can talk about deep things just moving almost seamlessly from one to another I think that's a a very special gift that God sometimes gives us friends like that yeah well tell me a little bit more about that I mean how how important has it been for you to have close Christian friends in particular to walk with you through your career and is there a sense in which God, God will often use them as one of the means of of refining us through our daily work. Yeah, I think my mind goes particularly. We spent um, five years in Dubai, uh, where I had a global role for the company, and I was there before I uh, retired. Inverted commas from that from that. Uh, job and we used to meet on a Saturday morning I say we it was a group of men uh, nearly all in all involved in secular work Um, Mm. and many many people in that environment they were all obviously expats people from India people from South Africa people from all over the world different cultures most people had had problems either with their employers with their contracts with their visas um, with their jobs it's quite an uncertain uh, environment in, in working in the Middle East in, in many ways. And we used to meet to really honestly share. And I think we were able to share the depth of really, really encountered sins with, with Christians in, in a small group. It was very, very mm. special. People could really say what was um, what was on their mind. And I, I think I've shared with you before that uh, one morning I remember particularly um, uh, an expatriate African guy who had a fast food business, which was running into real problems that he couldn't cope with. Uh, he got up and left the room and we wondered what had happened. And he came back in and he'd been in tears and he he mm. had to go and compose himself. And he came back in and said, um, this group is a place of integrity. And I, I think that's one of the loveliest things I've ever heard said about any group anywhere. Mm. That people felt able to really share what was in their heart and then to pray uh, about them. So I, I've really valued that. Um, sometimes mm. I've had fairly isolated times. There hasn't always been that that level of, of uh, and that's uh, sometimes a lonely road. I think many people mm. in the workplace are in a lonely place and uh, we need that fellowship. We need an individual or one-to-one or in a group. Mm, mm. Even just that, having them as, as, as sounding boards for issues that you might be wrestling with. And if I can just raise one more, Graham, as, as you've mentioned there, you've had lots of experience working cross-culturally. And so there are different challenges that, and temptations that can arise when you work in a different culture. And I know you've shared with me previously um, challenges around the way business is done. Bribery, for example. Um, and that being a, a, a feature of business in other parts of the world that that uh, perhaps previously hadn't encountered before. 
how did God test you in those situations yeah. and and refine you as well? Well, quite uh, in, in one situation, um, I won't name the company or the country for obvious reasons, but um, my name was um, forged on a board paper to change a contract award. Um, the chairman and the managing director subsequently went to prison for corruption. Mm. Um, that was a, a testing time. Um, mm. I, I spent uh, the company, the global company I worked for in later life, worked in in Africa, and there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of si- difficult situations you have to work through contractually in those situations, in terms of the ethics. I'm delighted mm. to say that uh, in- integrity was a core value of the company. Uh, I actually chaired an ethics and compliance committee, uh, <laughs> so you, you have clients that you won't work for, you, you, situations you won't go into. And those are big calls. Mm, mm. And obviously in all of these places, there, there are opportunities where we can either choose to, uh, to live God's way or, or otherwise. And hence, hence that workplace being that proving ground that you've been, been describing there. Mm. Graham, you, you did mention though that uh, we need to think not only about the big ambitions we might have for God, um, we need to also recognize the way God will often be working through us and refining us in our work. But presumably you don't think we should then throw that ambition away altogether. I mean, you yourself have risen to significant positions of leadership in your career. So, so my final question is this, how did you go about balancing those two things, having big ambitions for God, but also knowing that the bigger thing might be what he is doing in changing you? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think a big question that uh, is a lifelong learning process. Can I, I think reflecting on that, there are a number of biblical principles I think I've learned and tried to become part of me as, as I've gone through life. Um, one is that uh, calling. Do, mm. do I see my work as a career, uh, which is all about me, my goals, my objectives, my ambitions, or about God and his claim on my life. And the Bible picture is of calling. So if God has called you into leadership positions, go for it. And, you know, do the God has given you, you know, resources and gifts. We're to, we're to use those to the full. And I think that, well, that, that leads into the second big principle, which is stewardship. Um, you know, whatever position God gives you, we're only in it for a while. Uh, And I think this theme of stewardship runs right through the Bible, right from the creation, when God made us stewards of the creation to care for the earth. It runs through Jesus's teaching in the the parable of the talents and so on. Um, So you can see your role as something you've clawed your way to the top to get, or you can see it as something that God has entrusted you with Mm. for a while. And I think that leads to another principle, which is one of, um, faithfulness you know the parable of the talents is faithful in little faithful in much um, I had an American colleague who, uh, who his motto was um, love love the job you do to get the job you'd love to do <laughs> <laughs> in other words give every position you're in the best you've got mm. and God will sort out open up the opportunities for uh, for promotions. Um, mm. I, 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 I dawned on me when I started to reflect and write about these things that the Bible's got no concept whatsoever of career. 
Hmm. It has a big concept of calling. Uh, and I remember a, a young guy coming to me uh, and saying, uh, Graham, I'd love to uh, talk to you about your career plans and how, how you develop through life. And I said, look, really, you're talking to the wrong person. I don't recall ever really having a career plan. <laughs> Uh, I've just really gone through one door as it's opened and yeah. God's opened up other opportunities. And uh, I've been, thankfully, I was able to grow uh, with the company and to grow into leadership roles. Uh, so I think those things, calling, stewardship and uh, faithfulness and, and underlining all, of course, is, is humility. Mm. Because, uh, you know, when we get to feel that we're indispensable, that we're in... Uh, you know, we're the key person in the whole organisation. It will all collapse without us. I think we're on very dangerous ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, Graham, that's wonderful note to finish on, that that encouragement. And obviously is a testament in your life as well to the the faith and the trust in God to be able to walk and he will open the doors. And no doubt with that, comes uh, that sense of peace that you described right back at the beginning that was a real significant change in you when you first came to faith. So, Graham, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us now and also in your book. Thank you very much, Andrew. Well, look, our next episode will land in your podcast feeds in a fortnight where we're going to consider Christians working in the arts. What value can Christians being in that space? And why is it so important for them to be there? I'm going to be joined by both a visual artist and also a person with wide experience in the world of professional music and literature. But until next time, I'm Andrew Laird and you've been listening to the Life at Work Conference podcast. The Life at Work Conference podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more and register for the conference, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference. Enjoyed this podcast? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing and leaving a rating so others can find us too. Join us next time on the Life at Work Conference podcast with Andrew Laird. Listener.